0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 234 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by FeedXL. Is your horse's diet balanced? Find out with FeedXL at FeedXL.com. Enjoy today's tip. I'm Glenn the Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Today, we have one of our most popular guests back on with us again, Dr. Johnson. She's back every week, and she runs, as I said before, the Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic Clinic that's based in Calabasas, California. And this tip is taken off of the Jumping Radio Show over there with Chris Stafford, which is part of the Horse Radio Network. This uh, tip is taken off of Episode 19, and you can hear the rest of the show by visiting jumpingradio.com. You know, is your horse's diet balanced? We'll find out with FeedXL. FeedXL does all the smart stuff that it takes to formulate and balance a horse's diet. It takes all the science and math that a doctor of equine nutrition learns and makes it super easy and fun for you to use. Just plug in a few simple details to see if your horse is having the nutritional requirements he needs met. FeedXL is like having your own personal equine nutritionist stuffed into your back pocket. And FeedXL is so good that it's used by leading equine nutritionists to formulate balanced diets for their clients. Using the details about your horse and what you feed him, FeedXL will do some serious math to calculate if your horse's nutritional requirements are being met. See the results of this math displayed in numerous ways, including an easy-to-read graph that highlights excesses and deficiencies in his diet. For more information or to use FeedXL, go to FeedXL.com. That's FeedXL.com. And now on to Dr. Johnson and Chris Stafford.
1: Well, hi, Jenny. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, I know we missed a segment last week because we had that special episode, but I know you've got lots more in store for us. So uh, where are we resuming now? We, we, we got as far as the hind limb, hadn't we, last time?
2: Yes, last time we were talking about, uh, we started the discussion of hind limb symmetry. And specifically, we had discussed two aspects of that, uh, muscle atrophy and swelling in the hind limb. And today, we're going to continue on the discussion of hind limb asymmetry, and we'll look at uh, both bony asymmetry and differences in fetlock heights as they relate to asymmetry in the hind end. So the first area that I want to talk about, uh, again, under the bony asymmetry topic, is uh, asymmetry in the tuber Now, the tuber is the point of the hip, and asymmetry in the height of the tuber can be associated with many different types of pelvic fracture. This is probably one of the most common fractures uh, that you'll see, or a fracture of the, of the tuber coxae is one of the more common types of pelvic fractures you'll see, and it's commonly referred to as a knockdown hip. And that the classic uh, origin of that, are, or the, how that happens frequently is a horse goes through a stall door that's not completely open or goes through an opening that's too narrow and bangs the hip and just knocks off the end of that bone. Not necessarily always associated with lameness, but certainly something that our listeners should be aware of when they're looking at horses. Uh, and the next the next area of asymmetry that I'd like to talk about is uh, the tuber sacrali. The tuber sacrali would be if you're standing behind the horse looking at the horse, the topmost portion of the rump is the tuber sacrali, and frequently uh, you'll hear the term terminology a hunter's bump, and a hunter's bump describes a prominence of the tuber sacrali. Now, this only really develops surrounding musculature, and or it may result maybe there's a result of a change in position of one or both tuber sacrali, and it can also just be the horse's conformation. So a kind of a range of uh, things that can cause that hunter's bump and and what it may be a reflection of. One thing I do want to sort of backtrack a little bit and remind our listeners of is that uh, when we're looking at asymmetry in the hind limb, just as in the front limb, it's difficult sometimes to evaluate whether the asymmetry is a reflection of muscle atrophy or or a damage to the muscle as opposed to asymmetry in the bony structure itself. So I would caution our listeners when they're evaluating asymmetries to be very careful in trying to discern whether the asymmetry is a reflection of muscle atrophy or whether it's actually a bony asymmetry. Now, uh, referring back to the tuber sacralia and the hunter's bump, uh, one another aspect that uh, can be uh, a reflection that can be reflected in, in a variation of the hunters in the tuber asymmetry is a horse with an acute or chronic sacroiliac joint disruption. So that actually can be quite a serious um, situation that is reflected by an asymmetry in appearance of the tuber And typically, with an acute fracture of the base of the tuber the affected side is lower. Now, moving on, still standing behind the horse, the next area I want to talk about is looking at the width of the pelvis. If you took a line and bisected the horse on the midline and evaluated the width on either side of that line, from the midline to the outside of the horse on left and right, those widths should be essentially equal. Now, a change in the width of each half of the pelvis is a a subtle but an important clinical sign of a pelvic injury usually if you the narrower side will be the side with the injury and that's typically a result of compression or overriding fracture fragments in the case of a pelvic fracture next another item that we'd like to look at would be swelling over the greater trochanter the greater trochanter is essentially the point of the rump when you're looking at the horse from behind and i would like our listeners to become accustomed to standing behind the horse and looking at this area looking for swelling and It's a subtle type of swelling in the grooves between the musculature and this point of the hip as you're standing from behind or the point of the rump, rather. And you may see swelling in this area two to three weeks after a fracture of the hip joint. Again, very subtle, but something that uh, our listeners could, could do well to take notice of. Now, another aspect of evaluating asymmetry is feeling a horse for crepitus. Now crepitus is what we call bone on bone grating. You'll you'll hear some, or feel sort of a crunching movement as you're potentially lifting the leg and moving it about. You might feel that, and that would be a reflection of a fracture in a in a hip joint, perhaps, uh, or very advanced arthritis. Usually that would be days to weeks after the fracture occurred, and it's something that can frequently be felt externally. It may be something that's only felt internally when the veterinarian does a a rectal exam in evaluating, uh, you know, a substantial pelvic lameness. And it can also sometimes be heard using a stethoscope, listening to the area and and manipulating the leg. Now also standing from behind the horse, uh, looking at the calcaneus, or the point of the hock. The point of the hock should be of equal height from side to side. And an alteration in that um, is a reflection frequently of an injury and depending on the injury the point of the hawk could either be raised or it could be dropped unfortunately this frequently can be difficult to evaluate because if you have a substantially lame horse they may not be weight bearing on one of the hind limbs and so that can be something that's difficult to evaluate but in more subtle lamenesses, is just a good idea to get used to looking at those uh, symmetries in the height of the hawk Similarly, we're also going to be looking at fetlock height, and we had looked at that in the forelimb, and it's just as important in the hind limb as it is in the forelimb. And I would like our listeners to get accustomed to looking at that. The, the fetlock height should be assessed in the standing horse and during movement. When the horse is standing, of course, he should be standing on a level surface that's even, smooth, no rocks or such that he would be standing on and fairly level. The fetlock height should be symmetrical, which would be assuring the horse is loading the limbs equally, and that's true, again, both at rest or standing and in motion when the horse is walking and trotting. You want to look and see how far does each fetlock drop. They should drop an equal amount on both sides. Now, a loss of support to the fetlock will cause the fetlock to drop, and that frequently is a reflection of either damage to the suspensory ligament or damage to the superficial flexor tendon. And so those are the areas I really wanted to talk about today regarding hind limb symmetry, those areas of bony asymmetry as well as fetlock height that can give our listeners an opportunity and and, uh, an option to learn how to evaluate those uh, sites and just get accustomed to looking at them and and, uh, get a sense of how they can reflect lameness in the horse.
1: Great. Thank you, Jenny. Um, Do we know what's in store next week?
2: Yes, next week we're going to be talking about posture in the forelimb.
1: Terrific. Well, we'll look forward to that. Thanks again for joining us. We always appreciate your comments. So, actually, before you go, I know we had um, a listener, one or two listeners actually wrote in, Jenny, and uh, uh, really appreciating these segments, but um, did ask if you could recommend any books t- to help them visualise this graphically, the descriptions that you've made, especially with the sym- symmetry and, uh, and, and asymmetry of the limbs. Uh, do you have any recommendations? Well, I'd say one one of the best books that uh, I can recommend is
2: is a veterinary text, but I think it would be appropriate for most horse owners and lay people to look at. A lot of the material may be more technical than uh, they're interested in, but it's a tremendous reference book, and that is uh, Diagnosis and Management of Lameness in the Horse by Mike Ross and Sue Dyson. It's uh, perhaps become one of the um, reference standards these days in veterinary evaluation of lameness in the horse, and I I can't recommend that book strongly enough. It's it's filled with wonderful information all the way from the most basic through very detailed evaluation. It also comes with a CD that is nice because it shows specific gates and gait abnormalities and how they correlate with specific uh, lamenesses.
1: Oh, very good. That sounds great. And I have to say that I have quite a bookshelf myself, too, as you know, Jenny, and I. I'm going to uh, take a look through there and see if I can find any other titles that would complement this, too, because, uh, it, it, you know, it's so much information and, it, and some people are more visual than others, you know, trying to picture what that actually looks like. And uh, Yes, I agree. Okay. Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. we we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Well, thank you, Chris. I look forward to it as well.
0: Thank you to Chris and to Dr. Johnson for providing those tips every week. And, of course, you can find this particular tip on Episode 19 of the Jumping Radio Show, and you can hear the rest of the show there. It was an interesting one this week. At JumpingRadio.com, well to drop me an email, you do so by go, uh, emailing Glenn with two ends at com. and don't forget to stop by our website at HorseTipDaily.com for all the show notes and the links to all the experts that we have. You can listen to all Doctor Johnson's. Uh, Tips all at once if you want to right down the line. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. Well, I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone.